Oddity Files is part of the Just What I Needed network, and we hope we're just what you needed. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. Um. <laughs> so we should start every episode. Yeah, we should. Everyone take a deep breath. Breathe it in for five and out for 27. <laughs> Minutes. And, yeah, exactly. Oddity Files. Welcome to your Zen Hour, which is also known as Oddity Files, the podcast. How's everybody doing out there? Fucking amazing, right? This would just be like a ask and respond type situation where no one's responding. You're just asking questions. You're like, I know, I know. Right? I, I'm not that witty. I don't think I could pull that off. <laughs> don't doubt yourself. Anything's possible. Truth. So, so true. So Nick and I recording, t- this is our second recording for this week because we're trying to get caught up again after, you know, our, we did nothing in de- December. So. Yep. And I this didn't get true. a hold of him until it was the very last minute and go, oh shit, we need to start recording again. <laughs> we got to catch back up to ourselves. Yeah. So we just did this two nights ago. So if there's not, you know, a whole lot new going on, I'm going to leave it all up to Nick. I, I, I've got nothing. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how we roll. Yep. I am Kitsy Duncan. And I am Nick Floyd. And we will try our freaking hardest to entertain you with weird shit we find mm-hmm. on the internet. That's so true. I guess this... This would, you know, fall under the found on the internet since TV's streaming now. Did you see Soul yet, Nick? I did. I and did. What were your thoughts? I'm I, I'm not a huge, uh, like, modern Pixar fan, which sounds very, like, Shut egotistical. Shut your whore mouth. I, <laughs> listen, listen, I love, like, Toy Story and A Bug's Life. And then Pixar reached this point where they, like, wanted to make movies to remind adults that like they're getting older and are probably going to die at some point soon which is like really bleak yeah. and yeah. then soul was like i was prepared like the plot of the movie i was like this is going to be i need to be emotionally prepared and it was it reminded me of like being a kid again but also dealt with topics that i find myself dealing with as an adult and it was incredible and i loved every second good. of it yes good i'm glad yes. I, i'll never forget i went with the grandbaby and his mom, and we went and saw Frozen 2 in theaters. And that's where I saw the first trailer for it. I'm like, holy shit, Pixar's going ghosts. Not yep. really, but Close. they tried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did. I would love like a full-on like Pixar version of Casper, but I feel like they'd have to get pretty bleak because in order for that to happen, someone would have to straight up like really die. die. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that hasn't stopped them in the past. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, everybody dies in Pixar movies lately. You go Coco, balling on a freaking transatlantic flight to London, wasn't expecting that. Frozen, you cry. There's not a lot of death in Frozen, is there? No. Um, the pa- eh. I mean, the parents, right? There's dead well, parents. I mean, There's yeah. always dead parents. 
Mm-hmm. It's a Disney thing. It is a Disney thing. But yeah, Soul was great, and uh, I feel like that was that was what it was. Is like I didn't go into Toy Story three to deal with one of the most depressing scenes in Pixar history, but also oh, talk about bawling. Yeah, yeah. But Soul, it's like I'm I'm going to mentally and emotionally prepare for this movie, and I turned it on, and I was like, this is pure joy from start to finish. It was so great. It was so great, and it had such a great message. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it was Tina Fey till yep. like halfway through. It didn't even sound like and she's like my all time everything most awesome female no, most awesome human on the planet. There you so go. I would that was a, a good little twist for me. Jamie Foxx was the the dude, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. He sure was. Yeah. He sure was. But it was oh, done so well. Good. And it, it, was so it good. didn't get preachy. As much as it could have, which I was I was very pleasantly surprised. So, yay. Check yeah. it out. It's Disney Plus. I mean, I, I've dropped cable at this point. So everything I watch is on some streamable service. And I have Disney Plus. I have Netflix. I have Discovery Plus and Prime. And I'm still paying less in cable. Just going to yep. keep putting that out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Cut that cable cord. Yeah, so buy my book so I can afford all these. (laughs) Don't want to watch TV? Read a book. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So it's called I'd Rather Talk to Dead People. It's available on that guy. That email still has me terrified. So buy my book. I'd Rather Talk to Dead People. It's available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com and Kindle Unlimited. I think... That means it's free if you're a Kindle Unlimited person. Now, I don't know if that'll buy me groceries, but you'll at least get to read a book. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. So there you have it. Um, Nick texted me earlier today and said he had some paranormal in the news. And Mm -hmm. he says, this is a good one. And then I'm going to like it. And I am just... So excited to hear what this is, sir. Oh, yeah. So this is breaking news as of what would be a week ago, because <laughs> this is coming a week later. This Funny funny enough, I was actually uh, interested in doing my story today on this specific piece of news. Oh. Turns out it's not public at all. So I'll, I'll tell you what this news is, and then we can kind of digest it. So... Uh, the Duplass brothers, who have done a multitude of things, very, very talented group of filmmakers, um, they have uh, executive produced Wild Wild Country on Netflix, Evil Genius on Netflix as well. They just executive produced a three-part documentary series uh, that Hulu picked up today, which is the 14th okay. when we're recording this. And uh, the synopsis goes a little something like this. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) This is right up your... I mean, this is up all of our alleys, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, While visiting a pot farm in Northern California in 1993, investigative journalist David Holthouse heard a story that still haunts him. On a nearby farm, three men were torn limb from limb in a savage Bigfoot attack. The series called Sasquatch, follows David as he revisits the Redwoods 25 years later in search of any evidence that might lead to the truth of what happened that night. As he pulls at the threads of the story, he'll be taking da- taken down a path that's far more terrifying than anyone would have imagined. Shit, yeah. 
Yes. How many people? Uh, three. <laughs> I know. It's a lot to take in. I understand. It is. I'm uh, choking <laughs> on my own spit because that's terrifying. Yeah. Three people. Um, and this is the show is called Sasquatch, and it, it's coming out in the spring. And the guy who is directing the series also directed Lorena, which was the series on Amazon Prime about Lorena Bobbitt, who sliced off her husband's penis uh, after years of abuse. So yeah, lots of jokes in the '90s about Lorena. Yes. So, <laughs> so that I, I did see that back. on Prime, and I, and I have not watched the Lorena series. I'm like, you know, there's. I I feel like I lived through that. I know a lot of people. I mean, you youngsters didn't, but you know, it was a funny joke. The guy was an asshole, and he deserved to have his cock blocked off. <laughs> so. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but, I mean, <laughs> this is like a whole, I mean, this is, you got the fans it. of, like, the murder documentaries, which you're a huge fan of, and then you yeah. add the cryptid sprinkle on top. Ah. Holy shit. Yeah. Amazing. So, wow. it, he was working at a pot farm, and it was a story he had heard while he was working there, and he, he hadn't researched it until... Now, uh, he he had so he was like I guess he was doing again. There is zero information on. I mean, I tried googling multiple uh, words and looking up David Holthouse. I mean, this is like he heard this story. I guess it messed him up, and he never talked about it again. And now he's revisiting this wow. whole story, and I guess he like pivoted to figure out like what happened to these three men who were who were delimbed by a, a potential sasquatch so it's it's starting off as folklore because it was a story he he heard and i'm assuming these people are going to look into all avenues of documenting this and and making sure it was something real or they wouldn't make a tv show about it yeah yeah i wow. i mean i'm sure there's some there's going to be some twist and spin and things like that, but the Duplass brothers are very. Uh, what you see is what you get with them. I mean, I mean, uh, Evil Genius and, and Wild Wild Country. I mean, you got exactly what what was uh, promised to you in the title and the trailers and the story. So, with the show being called Sasquatch um, and it only being three parts, I imagine they're gonna get to the crazy stuff pretty quickly. Oh yeah, they're gonna have some evidence. I'm just—I mean, if they're even talking about it before everything is said and done, I feel like there's some shit gonna go down. Yeah, and the fact what are you that most is, excited about? Uh, there's the fact that there's nothing on the internet. The fact that this is just a story that he might have saw. I mean, it doesn't matter if this is a a murder case that was somehow believed to be performed by. A Sasquatch, or if it is a real Sasquatch attack, no matter what option this document, no matter what path it chooses to go on, it's still going to be the most compelling shit. I, like we're probably going to see all year. Oh, absolutely! And you know, you hear stories about Bigfoot a lot. Oh, so and so saw him. Oh, the, but you don't hear about Sasquatch-related murder very often. No, this is no. huge. I'm very excited. So spring, there's no specific date. They haven't released a trailer yet. Um, I imagine they're probably trying to keep things pretty quiet because now that it's breached, I mean, this was on Deadline. So Deadline broke this news today. 
uh, wow. and Hulu put out the press release. But I imagine the moment that they start, they, they it breaches the surface, you start having people dig. But most of these murder mystery um, show, I mean, Making a Murderer and Tiger King, things kind of started to exist, but you didn't know the story until you watched the show. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think this is completely safe and we're not going to know what the hell's going on until we watch it. I cannot freaking wait. That yeah. is the best news I've heard all day. It is. So yay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's got me. I'm like, I'm so ready. And the fact that it was like everything, I mean, this is what this podcast, it's that otherworldly yeah. cryptid, which we don't get to talk about too much because it doesn't really make the news. If it's not aliens or ghosts, we don't really hear much about it. So literally, literally. And what's the release date again? Did you say this spring or next spring? So it'll be spring of this year on Hulu. Oh, so it'll be... Shit, that's the one service I don't have. God. Buy my book, people. I'm (laughs) just saying. I'll share my Hulu Hulu password with you. (laughs) I don't want to be that person. (laughs) Oh, shit. Hey, speaking of, you know, awesomeness in the future... Why don't we give a quick listen to what Ms. Fortune Astrology has in the, well, literally the stars for us for this coming week. Hey there, oddballs. It's Jess from Ms. Fortune Astrology here with your weekly energy forecast. The upcoming week has lots of peaks and valleys. We have three days that are jam-packed with aspects and four days that have absolutely nothing going on. It's a go big or go home setup, and I'm here for it. On Saturday, January 23rd, we have three separate aspects, which are Mars square Jupiter, Sun conjunct Saturn, and Venus sextile Neptune. These are the types of days that tend to have just enough bullshit to go around. Mars square Jupiter can amp up aggression and motivation. It's easy to take things a little too far with this energy, so try to pace yourself. This should be relatively easy to do because Sun conjunct Saturn shines the spotlight on our limitations and responsibilities. Taken together, these two aspects balance each other out rather nicely. And Venus sextile Neptune is lovely energy that sugarcoats just about everything. These are the beer goggles that will stop you from getting too upset if Mars and Jupiter cause you to come too far over the top, or Sun conjunct Saturn issues the ultimate cock block. Either way, you'll be good. Just blame it on the Henny. Sunday and Monday are quiet. Then on Tuesday the 26th, the Sun moves on to square Uranus. Squares are tense aspects because they force communication between signs that don't mesh well together. In this case, it's Aquarius and Taurus. Three short weeks into January, and this is already an old trope. Aquarius wants change, and Taurus resists it at all costs. Ultimately, Aquarius wins this fight, since Uranus is the ruler of that sign, and he's been shaking shit up in Taurus since 2018. If this one hits your chart, expect the unexpected. People with planets around the six degree mark of the fixed signs are in a phase of massive uncertainty right now. It's winding down and the sun will shine itself on the end of the tunnel. Remain flexible for just a bit longer. Be proactive about implementing positive change in your life and watch for issues with electronics. Uranus and little brother Mercury are at the helm where technology is concerned and both of them are acting up next week. Finally, we finish off the week with an absurd full moon on Thursday, January 28th. It's in Leo, a sign known for being dramatic to begin with, and the theatrics of this particular full moon will not disappoint. It's forming a T-square, which is a tense configuration that traps energy in a three-sided box. The moon in Leo will form one side, the Sun, Jupiter, and Saturn in Aquarius form another, and Mars and Uranus and Taurus form the third. 
Oh, and just for good measure, Venus conjoins Pluto and Capricorn on the same day. Full moons pit our wants and our needs against each other. Full moons in Leo ensure we'll be super petulant about not getting our needs or our wants met. And full moons that involve two-thirds of the zodiac mean that we will have zero qualms about scorching the earth on our way down the rabbit hole. Because misery loves company. The best way to relieve the tension that is sure to come our way during this full moon is to direct energy towards the empty fourth side of the box configuration, which is Scorpio in this case. If you're familiar with your chart, take a peek at what house the first decan of Scorpio falls under and make it a point to put some effort there. This energy is going to be intense and unyielding, and Venus conjunct Pluto indicates that love relationships could suffer greatly if you don't find a constructive way to release the pressure. If you're interested in what the stars have to say for you, please check out my website at misfortuneastrology.com. I offer many different types of tarot and astrology readings, and you can also help support my small business by checking out my shop, where I sell handmade crystal jewelry, candles, and lots of other cool merch. For daily horoscopes and plenty of inappropriate humor, come find me on social media at misfortune1111. Ciao for now. Well, you know, she's always just full of good news. I mean, for some of us, I think that's good news. For some of us, like me, I don't know. I'm still waiting it out. Still waiting it out. Trying to stay positive over here. I did have a, a little bit of paranormal in the news, which is not nearly as cool as yours, Mr. <laughs> Nick Floyd. But the Lizzie Borden house mm. is for sale. Mm-hmm. So is her house where she, after she was acquitted, lived her happily ever after. They're owned by the same people. But um, the three-story Fall River clapboard house that has been converted into a museum and a bed and breakfast was listed for sale online. And the asking price of $2 million. Whoa. Anybody got an extra cool $2 million laying around? Let's, let's, let's buy the Lizzie Borden house. Come on. Um, <laughs> That's a lot of money. Potential, it's so much money. Yeah. And you're not going to uh, live in it. I, I mean, I guess the bed yeah. and... It's got to be a business. Like, you wouldn't want to live with what happened beneath those walls, you know? Uh, I've been yeah. there. Um, I think Mr. Borden deserved it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure he was a terrible, terrible person. And his ghost is a creepy old man. So, he followed me into the bathroom one time, and it was... I told him to get the fuck out. Anywho, yeah, I'm just going to drop that there and leave it. Yeah. Next week on The Oddity Files. (laughs) Kitsy's experience in the bathroom with Mr. Borden. But I guess when you buy the house, you get the entire business with it. You get any merch, you get their website, all that stuff. And it's like one of the top tourist attractions of Rhode Island. So it's a good deal you know, for somebody who does have an extra two million laying around, yeah. But I'm hmm. super jealous of whoever gets it. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how long it's going to take for them to sell it because I imagine the reason they're selling is because they probably can't. Uh, it's not thriving with uh, with COVID right now. So yeah, I'm assuming so as well. Yeah. Now people don't want uh, that kind of thing like when when everything opens back up again i think people don't want to go to a, a house where someone uh, brutally murdered uh, several people <laughs> so, like, 
You don't know most of us weirdos very well, sir. No, it, it is neat. And, and you go in and it's not all about the death. Well, I, I guess it is. But it's what else would there's it? a little bit of history there. And there's a Dunkin' Donuts right down the street, people. So, um, yeah, Fall River, Massachusetts. I wish I had an extra cool two million laying around. But I digress. I do not. Um, but if you buy <laughs> your book. My book. <laughs> you could I'll... be supporting the purchase of the Lizzie Borden house by Kitsy Duncan. You totally could. <laughs> or, you know, any. Oh, this is this is kind of paranormal in the news-ish, but it's, it's something that's been going around. So do you remember Kat Von D.? From like one of the second or third tattoo reality shows that was out there. Fell in love with her. She was snarky. You know, my kind of girl. She recently bought a huge Victorian mansion here in Indiana. And she was posting on Facebook that she's looking for mm. local tradesmen to help her fix it up. I may have responded to said post and I said, you know, if you need a paranormal investigator, I'm your girl. I never heard back. Oh, shit. I was like, are you about to drop this on everybody that Kat Von D is like, yes, come investigate this place before I move in. I have bought her lipstick. Do you think that'll help? I mean, every every penny helps, which is why you should buy (laughs) Kitsy's book on Amazon and all good. <laughs> oh, you're so good to me, Nick. I don't know what I'd Thank do you. without you. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I'm here oh, for. Oh shit. I guess we should probably tell some stories. Sure. I do know, since it was only two days ago when we last recorded it, that it is your turn to go first. Oh hooray. Um I had a very difficult time because eventually you reach a point where a lot of these stories that we tell start to kind of blend in together a little bit. <laughs> Welcome to my world. So this specific story, I had two choices. I could say fuck it and just tell the story, or I could completely scrap it and because I feel like you've told it before to me, <laughs> but I also feel like fire was involved in that story and fire is not involved in this story. I could be wrong. Sometimes there's a couple versions to these stories. So. Uh, we'll know very what quickly. What did you choose to do? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if, if it happened, please let me know. I feel like okay. it's going to be risky. But you'll know within the first sentence. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to give some sort of crazy, like, run teaser of what this is. I'm just going to, I'm going to just say what this is. We're going to talk about the legend of the green man today. Do you did have you <laughs> covered the green man before? I don't think so. I I the story is just very similar to one you told uh Wait, Where does it happen? Pennsylvania. No. There it is. I did little green man in Kentucky, I think. But I, I no. No Green Man in Pennsylvania. Well, great. No. Spoiler alert. That's what we're talking about today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Uh, so the legend of the Green Man, I'm sure some of you have heard of it. Some of you haven't. Uh, the legend of the Green Man is about a guy without a face who walks the highway at night. 
Uh, supposedly he fell into a vat of acid, but some people say that he removed his own face. He could also be a a fisherman who was struck by lightning or a young boy who was electrocuted by downed power lines, depending on who you ask, which is how legends usually go. It's a game of I I did a story about a burnt guy in California. Yes, that's who, that is, yep. Mm -hmm. There you go. Can't remember his name, though. Either. Probably <laughs> ten a- episodes ago. I don't know. <laughs> There's a movie about him. I know that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Terrible movie. Yep. <laughs> so people call him Green Man or Charlie No Face, but this urban legend got its start in real life. The real Green Man, Raymond Robinson, wasn't green at all, but his face had been burned off in a childhood accident. He lived his life as best he could while taking walks through western Pennsylvania. Throughout his life, he attracted the attention of locals and tourists who wanted to see the legend in real life. Fucked up individuals they were. Yeah, it's very, very sad. Born on October 29th, 1910 in Beaver County, Pennsylvania, Robinson... (laughs) Get it out, Kitsy. Go ahead. I'll wait. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It's been a day. It's a great day, but it's been a day. (laughs) I accept it. Uh, Robinson was just a regular boy for the first nine years of his life. He played with his friends and found fun in the fields and streams behind his parents' home. On June 18th, 1919, nine years later, all of that would change. On that day, Robinson and his friends decided to play at the Pittsburgh Harmony Butler and Newcastle Railway Company bridge spanning Wallace Run. Assuming Pennsylvanians know where that is, I have no sure. idea. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> the bridge carried massive amounts of electricity, and it was nowhere for kids to play. Tragically, but predictably, Robinson was injured by an electrical line while climbing a pole. He survived, despite his grim prognosis, but his face was completely destroyed, and he went through the rest of his life without eyes, a nose, or a right arm. What? Very, very crazy. I very thought sad. you were going to say mouth instead of right arm, and I'm like, how does he breathe? Sorry, that was terrible. I'm not being disrespectful by any means. I feel terrible for this human being. I wish we didn't know his name so I could be snarkier. I'm sorry. Yeah. The, uh, the photos are, I mean, the thing is, this was the, the early 1900s, so there are, I mean, a plethora of photos, and we'll put Ugh. those on Instagram. It's I I was going to read this from a website, but I actually uh, kind of copied it and pasted it and kind of tweaked it in a Word document because I didn't want to continue looking at the pictures because there are many. Oh, I don't blame you. Yeah. So many people would fold under this kind of pain, but Robinson refused to let his injuries force him into solitude. He's a very strong individual. Uh, Robinson didn't spend his life lamenting his physical impairment. Instead, he hung out with his family in Copal, Pennsylvania, while weaving doormats, wallets, and belts as a way to make some extra cash. At times, he wore a prosthetic nose and a big pair of glasses, but he was just as comfortable barefaced and his loved ones had long become accustomed to his appearance. His nephew said, quote, he never discussed his injuries or his problems at all. It was just a reality, and there was nothing he could do about it, so he never spoke about it. He never complained about anything. Oh. Yeah. Yes. This this is such an interesting story because it is 
now a legend that people tell in Pennsylvania, which we'll yeah. get to in just a couple paragraphs. But it's like the origin story of a legend, which is, I feel you like we don't, don't get to hear often. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this is a very real thing. This is not uh, a, a truly paranormal. It gets paranormal, but it's not. The story is not paranormal because this was a real documented human being who just had a very unfortunate accident early yeah. in his life. And overcame all odds literally. Literally, yes. Uh, for fun, Robinson listened to the radio during the day and walked along State Route 351 with a walking stick for hours at a time. When locals found out that a guy without a face was walking up and down the Copal New Gali, Ga, Gal, Galilee Road... I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, in the middle of the night, they did everything they could to get a peek. People regularly oh. gathered to see Robinson on his walks, but more often than not, he avoided contact with strangers. For the most part, people just wanted to ask him questions, but you know what they say about bad apples. Some people offered him rides only to drop him off in foreign areas, straight up hit him with their cars, and even oh. physically beat him. I fucking hate people. Is awful because he was different. He look, I mean, he wasn't yeah. even like different by by choice. He was different by surviving a terrible incident as a child, really, and just trying to live his life as best he could. God, okay. And he didn't stop. He never stopped going on his walks. His family worried about him, but they couldn't stop him. The way he saw it, he'd already been robbed of so much in his life, and he wasn't about to be robbed of his beloved walks, the things he loved most. Mm. His refusal to hide may have left him vulnerable to the worst humanity had to offer, but it also allowed Robinson to connect with plenty of nice, normal people who were just curious about his injuries. In the 60s, the area's youthful residents often brought cigarettes and beer to share with Robinson while they chatted with him about the weather and local happenings. Most Aww. of these friends insist that his face never came up. Jim Nardone spoke to the Times online about his friendship with Robinson, saying, quote, I guess like everybody else, Somebody had a friend who knew a friend who knew about this individual who roamed the road at night out there. We'd be sitting around the state soda grill or someplace like that, and somebody would say, let's go out and see that guy. You just roll down the window and talk to him as he stood outside of the car. Like, just a normal thing. Even though Robinson was, by all accounts, a really nice guy, the urban legend around Green Man and Charlie No-Face grew throughout the area. According to those who believe the urban legend, the ghostly no-face walks the Copal New Galilee Road yeah. in Big Beaver, or, <laughs> there it is again, or he could be found in a railroad tunnel in South Park, which is an industrial area near Pittsburgh. People in Pennsylvania still believe that he's either a ghost or some lurid creature who grew up in squalor after his face was melted off. Locals still go on late-night adventures to see Charlie No-Face, driving down the same highway that Robinson walked in search of a ghoul that never was. According to his doctors, Robinson should have died when he was just a boy. Even with a melted face and missing, missing extremities, however, he survived long past any expectations and lived as good a life as any of us can expect. He gave up his walks as he got older and moved into Friendship Ridge, a nursing home in Brighton Township where he was cared for by his family but locals still reported that they saw him walking and waiting for someone to stop. The Charlie No-Face sightings have continued even after Robinson's death on June 11, oh. 1985, one week before the 66th anniversary of the accident that changed his life 
forever. Oh, my gosh. First, again, like I said, I hate people, but good for him. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. And his family for trying to just help him have the most normal life possible. Shit happens, you know? And thank God he was able to survive and make the best of his life. And I love that he's haunting that road still because I hope he's an asshole to the people that are assholes on purpose now that he can see or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, the, the story um, came from allthatsinteresting.com. Love with that obviously site. a couple, couple little um, tidbits from Times Online um, and then a few other interviews that they pulled. But the thing about an origin story of a haunting, an urban legend, you get pieces of the puzzle that allow you to change your perspective and also provide new insight to the ideas behind hauntings and urban legends. And so with this one, it crossed my mind that when you have uh, someone like this who exists uh, and then after they pass away. So his spirit was very strong. Obviously, he survived this crazy incident. Uh, he survived being beaten by just awful people because he had a very strong spirit to keep him pushing on. So was his spirit so strong that even in the afterlife, he's still sticking to the thing that he loves the most and essentially haunting even though I feel like the people around the strong spirit of this man who passed on are actually haunting his territory that mm. he claimed as his own. I uh, think you're I onto know. something, sir. Absolutely. And and that his energy was so prevalent that it's it's still there. It's it's kind of magical and Beautiful, if you think about it. He's yeah. still, even though he's passed, is still doing the thing he loved to do so much. I Now, if there's somebody out there fucking provoking him or trying to get him to come out, you know, like these people do, I hope he hauls off and just punches them in the face from the afterlife. Because they deserve I, it. Yeah, I, I agree. And yeah, it, it's... The more stories that we share and the more hauntings and paranormal investigations that like you share and discuss, there are new perspectives that sort of come about. And so this one, on top of what I just said, was like, are there spirits that are so strong that hold steady in a place, whether it's a house, a road, something that they that kind of made them feel the most whole? Yeah. And are we infringing on the place that they have kind of like state claim of? Like, are we the issue? Like are these the houses haunters? that are haunted. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Are we this evil presence and are they just this soul who has found peace and sometimes we're stomping I think all that's over fact. it? I really, truly do. Um, that's why you hear get out on all these EVPs. They're like, this is my fucking house. What are you doing here? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it's, it's like making them known enough to say like, someone's here. It's like if someone was to break into your house, the first thing you'd want to do is make it known that the house is not empty. So is that necessarily what's happening if we're flipping the script and when you're setting foot in, uh, on a piece of property, someone someone else's house that is, yeah. quote-unquote, haunted? 
are they saying like, hey, knock, 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 door open, water faucet turn on, someone's here, get the fuck out. Yeah. No, I firmly believe that that's fact. And until, you know, people embrace the fact that they're living in a haunted house as opposed to freaking the fuck out about it, you know, then things get out of hand. You know, the more scared you are living in that type of situation, the more everything that happens is going to seem even scarier than it actually is. I mean, they were there first. First and foremost. Secondly, they they may just be trying to communicate with you. My thing is, why do some spirits go for years without any paranormal activity? And then, you know, new couple moves in the house. I mean, were they getting along fine with the previous owners? And these new kids that, that moved in play the music too damn loud and are up way too, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah you are preaching to the choir again, sir. <laughs> hey, I feel like there's a level of disrespect. It's like the whole Jurassic Park uh, mentality that the the dinosaurs were here first, and yeah, and uh, the people just run around mucking it up. And I think that maybe there is a a level of of well, maybe a spirit wouldn't reveal itself over time if they're satisfied with the amount of respect that the yeah. humans are offering to the place that the spirit is allowing them to enter. Yeah, and that could be why so so much activity gets kicked up when renovations happen to a home. They're like, what are you doing to my house? This is my yep. house. I built it from the ground up. What the hell do you think? You're... Very Beetlejuice, if you will. Yep. Yeah, and every story, I mean, when I first started on this podcast with you, I uh, shared a, a very quick story of a friend who who um, who had some furniture from an estate sale and the drawers of that of that dresser were shaking and th- and he opened it up one day and at the top of the dresser there was a, a picture of the woman who had passed away and he set it on top made it visible and the drawers never moved again yep just we like can live in sometimes harmony. yep exactly that's what this is about it's about unity it's about coming together. Preach it, brother That's Nick. It. Preach That's it. it. That's it. <laughs> it's so true, though. It is, and honestly, I I've said this a million times during my little virtual book tour. But ghost hunting, you you treat these spirits like you would want to be treated, just like we should treat human beings like we. You know, a lot of things as I was writing. I'm, and this isn't to push the book. Please buy it. It's called I'd Rather Talk to Dead People. <laughs> but I, I realized as I was writing it and as I was doing all these, you know, podcasts and everything, people just need to chill the fuck out. And we need to get along with both the dead and the living. And people need yeah. to remember that empathy is not just being an empath. It's understanding. Oh, I'm preaching. Kitsy's preaching. It's understanding your fellow man, whether they're dead or alive. One of my favorite stories in the book, I'd rather talk to dead people, available on Amazon and (laughs) barnesandnoble.com, is the story about Harrodsburg Herald. It was this one room was known for the spirit that allegedly 
I'm going to say it again, allegedly threw an investigator across the room. Used to call female investigators bad names. They did me too. They called me a slut. And I was like, whoa, buddy. And I got to the bottom of it. And I'm like, you know what? Did your wife cheat on you? What is the deal here? Why are you calling all the ladies bad names? And I asked, I flat out asked, said, what, did your wife cheat on you? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, I'm sorry that happened to you. What was your wife's name? And he said, Penny. And I said, well, all women aren't like Penny. His name was Dick. Ha ha. He he. Ho. <laughs> um, but later on in that night, I went, this ghost hated women. I went and did a solo investigation in there. This is one of the episodes, I think, in season two as well, which is both on Prime and YouTube now. It's the Harrodsburg Herald. And he ended up flirting with me and told me, He liked me. But see, that's how people should treat people. Yeah, people have a bad day. And we have to accept that. People have been in bad situations. God, I'm going to cut most of this out. But I'm feeling this hard right now. People just need to listen and not react. Yep. Yeah, it's... It's so interesting that there's sort of this similar through line in multiple uh, layers of paranormal and and cryptid and and otherworldly is that you have this that we're talking about with ghosts and spirits. And then you you kind of dig even deeper and, and you have aliens. And every person who who does believe, the, the, the consistent thing is that they will not show up until we are united, until we, uh, as a people, because until then, we can't accept another race of people. Oh, God, from, no. uh, We can't. It's not possible. And that is, and again, it's like you take that a step further and you talk about uh, Bigfoot. And you really, and I'm t- it's a stretch here, but you even talk about the idea of that they are these recluses who, who, are watching their home, their world crumble around them mm-hmm. from the the sheer like savagery of yeah. humans who aren't like them. And the only time people want to see them are people who are hunting them because they are not like us. Therefore, we are hunting them. And so that's why they have gone into, you know, almost extinction or hiding or whatever you want to believe. I'm just saying the through line of it all no matter what, whether it's ghosts, aliens, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, it's just all about being a decent fucking person. Thank and you. T- uniting and not judging people and not yeah. uh, looking at someone because they're different. And, 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 you know, it's just, yeah. Anyway. Uh, I agree. And thank you for jumping on that soapbox <laughs> with me, sir. You know, I, yeah. I just. I had I, some extra time. <laughs> just love each other. That's all I'm going to say. No matter what, whether, you know, your neighbor is covered from hair, covered in hair from head to toe, and it's Bigfoot. Love him. Let him have his space because he needs... Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Just be kind and have empathy. Okay, I really got to stop. Okay, I'm going to... I'm going to go to commercial break. (laughs) I was going to say, if you don't understand something, you can't hate something that you don't understand. If you understand something, maybe you have some sort. I mean, like, okay, sure. But most people do not like things that they do not understand. 
Yep. Uh, movies are a great example. The paranormal is a perfect example. Yeah, literally. So <laughs> if you don't understand it, say you don't understand it and move the fuck on and leave it alone. But if you if you don't like something, take a little bit more time to try to understand what that thing is, and that will help you understand why you don't like that thing. Mm-hmm. Odds are, you probably just didn't understand it, uh, which is why you didn't like it in the first place. Exactly. Now we can go to commercial break. <laughs> Are you a coffee addict like me? Well, check out Bones Coffee Company. Coffee isn't just a drink that wakes you up in the morning. It's an experience. When you brew a pot of Bones Coffee Company coffee, they want you to have the best experience you've ever had. They only roast carefully selected beans to perfection in small batches to ensure that you get the freshest coffee delivered straight to your door. The care given to each of those small batches is evidenced through the rich, full-bodied, and exceptionally smooth taste you'll get out of every cup of Bones Coffee Company you drink. You guys, this is amazing. First and foremost, I love coffee. I love wine and I love bourbon, but I love coffee. So check it out and help out the podcast. Go to tinyurl.com slash bonescoffee. Get your coffee fix and help out your favorite podcast. We appreciate you. Okay, you may have heard or may not have heard, but our newest podcast partner is freaking Chewy, guys. I know, we we talk about our pets all the time and we kind of love our pets a little too much just like you guys. But we're always looking for ways to save money in these current financial times. Chewy's it. Type in tinyurl.com slash OFChewy. You help support the podcast. I personally get both our dog's food and our dog's treats and a couple other things sent on a monthly basis directly from Chewy with their subscription service. So please check it out. Please help us out by subscribing to all of your Chewy goods at tinyurl.com slash OF Chewy. My dogs will thank you. Extra, extra, read all about it. Okay, so that was lame. But we have a new merch store, my friends. Head on over to tpublic.com dot com slash stores slash oddity dash files guys we've got everything there we're still adding more the prices are much more cost effective there and the store is so easy to navigate what are you waiting for head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files get your merch on Need more scares in your life? Well, duh, we've got you. Just head over to tinyurl.com slash get shutter and you'll automatically get seven days free of this all horror, all the time streaming network. From their endless selection of the best in horror, the original programming and exclusive content to their flexible membership plans. Shudder is exactly what you need. Plans start at under five bucks a month, and yes, you can cancel at any time. 
I mean, what are you waiting for? tinyurl.com slash getshutter tinyurl.com slash getshutter g-e-t-s-h-u-d-d-e-r let's get scared tell me a story god damn it (laughs) okay i will tell you a story so uh, i'm gonna go to new orleans no I'm gonna go to New Orleans. I'm gonna go to <laughs> New Orleans or NOLA as I like to call it. It's my kind of town. Every inch of the city just feels like it's soaked in paranormal energy. I'm actually supposed to be here this week, but I am not, but you know, fuck the fuck off COVID. But while home and not in New Orleans this week, I'm not bitter. Yes, I fucking am. <laughs> I came across a new Don Wildman show called, appropriately, Dark Tales with Don Wildman on that their Discovery Plus app I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Two episodes in, he covers the legend curse of Ursuline Avenue in the heart of New Orleans. And the story oh. is chock full of all the stuff I obsess over. I'm about to tell you the story of the Ursuline Avenue curse. And that story goes a little something like this. First, I can't believe I'd never heard of this before. I need to pay closer attention to shit. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been drunk on (laughs) Ursuline Avenue. Oh, have you really? Oh, shit. You're lucky Jackie's still alive. Anyway. um, (laughs) So NOLA is known for its paranormal goings-on, from voodoo to vampires to hauntings. And it's probably why I love it so fucking much. But one particular block in the French Quarter is where I'll focus today. It's a place where a murder scene keeps repeating itself like a broken record over and over for 100 years. Those of you that don't know what a record is, I know they're making a comeback, but it's what old people used to listen to before CDs and MP3 players. Okay, so let's start with 725 Ursuline Avenue in the year 1900-ish. German immigrants Hans and Goethe Mueller, Mueller, yeah, lived at this address. He was a butcher, and Goethe was the bookkeeper for the family business. At this point, business is booming, and they need an extra hand, so Goethe tells Hans to head down to the port and find an apprentice, and that she'd love for him to find another German immigrant like they are to help out, you know, one of their countrymen. Hans heads out and comes back in the wee hours a few nights in a row, coming back smelling like cheap perfume and pretty fucking drunk. And our girl Gerda's like, oh, no, you don't, Mr. Man. And she confronts him. And while he's acting all shocked, trying to explain things, as I'm sure it went down, because I saw a reenactment on the TV show I was watching. His hand reaches out and grabs the thing closest to him, a meat cleaver. And he proceeds to chop his dear... Goethe into pieces. Now, in what? In public? No, this is in their home when he got back home. Oh, okay. So he had gotten home. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't excuse it, but it, I just, right. I, for a minute, I was like, holy shit, he did this in broad daylight. <laughs> it's a little more acceptable in the house than, you know, at the docks. <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry. So now what? Hans has no idea what to do with his dead wife. He can't just throw her out in the trash. So he decides he's got the perfect plan. And yep, I hear you saying in your head, please don't tell me he takes her to the butcher shop. But that's exactly what he does. And he puts her into the grinder and sells Goethe's sausage 
to the locals, according to the lore. Um, He puts her bones in a trunk and keeps that at the house. It's like he's committed the perfect crime until a customer, allegedly, again, we're going back to the lore. I found no articles on this, but Don told me, so I I believe him because he's hot. Um, A customer allegedly (laughs) bites into a wedding ring just trying to enjoy her Goethe sausage one day. Cops are called and the jig is up. Police arrive at 725 Ursuline Avenue and they find Hans sitting with the trunk, filled with what's left of dear Goethe, talking to her like nothing's wrong. Police open the trunk and confront Hans and he's completely confused. He swears he did nothing like what the police are saying went down. He says that she left him as he's crying and sobbing, claiming she broke his heart and she just up and left and vanished until it's like another personality just takes over. His demeanor changes and he starts confessing to the crime, explaining it in great detail as if it was his proudest moment. Over time, the two personalities become very prevalent In one moment, Hans is grieving the loss of his wife, and then the next, he's a diabolical killer. As you can imagine, Hans is committed to an insane asylum and becomes known as the Mad Butcher. He ultimately commits suicide to escape the spirit he claims was possessing him, the one who made him kill his wife. But as if that wasn't enough, That's just the first of three murders to take place on this notorious avenue. Fast forward to the 1920s, and just three doors down at 715 Ursuline Avenue, we have couple number two, Henry and Teresa Moiti. Henry's a 30-something butcher, and Teresa is a 20-something flapper. Living with them was either Teresa's sister or Henry's brother and his wife, Lonnie. It was an arranged marriage, and Henry is trying hard to make it work, but Teresa's living on the high of the women's movement of the 1920s. One night, as Teresa tells Henry she's leaving him, a switch goes off in Henry's head. The next morning, the housekeep finds the house covered in blood, and this wasn't the story told on the Don Wildman show. I actually found news articles on this version of the story. It's worse. (laughs) So the next morning, the housekeep finds the house covered in blood when um, so back in the day when the police were called, so were reporters and they were able to just kind of walk into the scene and write stories about it and take pictures. And, you know, there were no police line do not cross back then since the (laughs) 20s. So uh, George Healy was an on the scene reporter. He arrived at the scene with police because, like I said, that's how they did things there. But he said, we found red stains on the floor and saw a large trunk in a bedroom partially open. When I pulled up the trunk lid, a woman's body, arms, and legs severed from the torso were exposed. George writes of another reporter on the scene's reaction. He said, she charged into the apartment and cited several objects on a bed. Look, she said, holding up these objects. Lady fingers. Four fingers 
had been cut from a woman's hand. Aren't lady fingers like... So she just picked up the fucking fingers off the bed and goes, Oh, look! <laughs> L- lady fingers! Lady fingers! <laughs> By golly, I'd love to have one of those. Like, I feel like that was a candy in the 20s, wasn't it? I, yeah, I think it was like little cookies of- or like little cake sandwiches or something. I don't know. I never had them that I know of. So then she puts yeah. the fingers back on the bed and Gwen moves to the second bedroom found a second trunk and open it and it contained a second woman's body. Oh. Yeah. So the only thing that was missing other than, you know, the dead women, they were there, was the butcher, Henry, who was Teresa's husband. He there was a manhunt ensued and he was finally captured. And at first just like our pal the mad butcher, Henry claimed his wife left him, and he had no idea what was in the trunk. Then moments later, his demeanor changes, and he's explaining to ex- officers exactly how the murder went down in great detail. And yet oh. another instance, he's seeming completely confused and explaining how he couldn't have done such a horrific crime. Henry blames it on, and I, I'm air quoting for those of you not on the Patreon, the man did it, not him. Yeah. So after Henry's convicted of murder and put away for life, rumors start about the ghost of Ursuline Street, also now known as the man. So for years and years, the legend grows and the lore lives on until as recently as 2002. And on the 700 block of Ursuline Avenue, 735 to be exact, John and his girlfriend, Polly, move in. While John wasn't a butcher per se, he was working at Nellie's Deli just down the street from their new place. And I mean, that's close enough to a butcher in this day and age, working, you know, at a sub shop. Um, So you guessed it. Polly disappears. John claims uh, she moved back home and that was that until Hurricane Katrina hit. And after the storm, authorities were doing wellness checks all over the now empty and ravaged city of New Orleans. They find no one home at 735, but they do notice a terrible odor coming from the bedroom. And in the bedroom, they find a trunk. Surprise! And in this trunk, they find the human remains of Sweet Polly. And headlines at the time read... Man continues strange behavior after getting life sentence for killing woman whose dismembered body was kept in trunk. So John claimed, just like the other boys, he had nothing to do with Polly's murder, that he loved her and she loved him until his demeanor changed and he starts confessing to the murder of dear Polly in great detail. And in one interview... With detectives, John, like Henry, told police, the man made me do it. So is it possession? Is it a curse? Who is this man? No one really knows. But one thing I do know is that Chris and I will in no way, shape, or form be moving to the 700 block of Ursuline Avenue in New Orleans anytime soon. Whoa. Insane, right? That's pretty, I mean, three instances, like my first immediate thing is like, 
the copycat killer concept where it's this idea that you become obsessed with a, th- a specific thing right. and then this happens, especially if it was well documented uh, from the 1920s to 2002. But the fact that it's like checked all the boxes, it, uh, it's really weird. I don't know. Really? It, it, that is pretty, the numbers are so low that it's like, you know, yeah, the part, the part of me that doesn't want to believe that it's like possession or a curse or anything goes to, well, maybe this is just someone who like wants to keep the air quotes legacy of this story continue yeah, um, to the point of obsession. But for it only happen, I mean, I say only, but it happened three times. In in a span um, of one hundred years, though, you think yeah. a copycat would be you know a couple blocks over, some asshole's going to do the same thing. But I don't know. Hundred so, a hundred years. Each one was separated by. So technically, in a, I mean, we won't know if it happens again in a hundred more years from two thousand two. So the, the first one was early nineteen hundreds. The second one was the nineteen twenties, and then a span of like. 80 years into 2002, I think is what I said. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, so it was a span of just, a, what probably right at 100 years for those three murders to happen. Well, four if you include the sister. Interesting. Yeah. Someone needs to monitor, monitor that and see uh, see what's going on. Over Somebody on needs to talk to John, who's probably still in jail, and say and like give him like all the tests and stuff and things. Yeah, that's really interesting to me. Is I feel like from an investigative point, I mean, we think about like Truman Capote and things like that. There's a, there's a certain point where you have so many people who investigative journalists who are looking for the next big story, paranormal investigators who are looking for the next big story. I feel like. The fact that this, I mean, if he hasn't been put on death row, the fact that he might or might not still be alive, this is the time to dig and see what happened. Yeah. Why has nobody done that? I don't know. This is the first time I'd ever heard of this. And it's on some travel channel. Not even travel channel. I don't even think it made it to travel channel. It's on some Discovery Plus show about hauntings and possessions and and weird after dark stuff. So I feel like more has to be looked into. So my wingmen were Don Wildman uh, for another mm-hmm. swoon-worthy winning story, and Atlas Obscura. So the oh. second story in the twenties that they told on the show was that the guy, um, his wife was just out partying late at night. There was like a, a fifteen-year difference between them, and one day she came home late, and he just kind of killed her with a fire poker and put her in the trunk and then put her on the balcony and people were walking underneath getting dripped on by human remains which is a better story if you are doing the ghost walks of new orleans which is who was telling the stories on the tv show Mm. but this one was a little more terrifying that he killed his wife and her sister and or sister-in-law so there you Oy. have it, kids. Oh yeah. So well, we've much. we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot this episode. <laughs> we have. Now, see if well, those gentlemen just would have listened to their wives, this never mm-hmm. would have happened. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, You're right. 
Let's throw out for a quick uh, listener story. This one's called Attached Spirit. Just to be upfront and give you some of my background, I never have before in my life ever had a personal paranormal event or anything of the nature. I'm about to tell you all about it may be nothing or it may be a one-time event or it could be something to actually have a cleansing done about and that's why I'm contacting you. Oh, shit. Yeah, this was sent in. Zero, zero to 100. Yeah, this is sent in before the big break. It says, so with Christmas coming up, I thought I'd get my girlfriend some ghost hunting equipment. She always watches various shows and is obsessed with investigations and loves your show, I might add. Um, back to the Christmas gift. Wasn't sure how serious she would actually be about using it. So I found a spirit box online that had been used and was cheap. Never crossed my mind that something could have been attached to the spirit box by purchasing it used until Friday night slash Saturday morning when I had some events take place. So the box came in the mail Monday. I knew what it was, so I never even opened the package. I just put it in the basement, as I do with all her Christmas gifts, because she's freaked out by the basement and won't go down there. LOL. (laughs) I mean, that's the perfect place. Wednesday, I decided with it being used that I should probably open the package and verify that it worked as advertised. In example, turned on and all the buttons worked properly. I might add that I worked second shift. So this took place around 2.45 to 4.15 a.m. Then I turned it on and played with it to verify its functions. Back to the story. I was in the kitchen, nothing coming through but static. All the buttons changed functions, so I called it good and put it back in the box. Forgot to turn it off. I later found out as I walked through the house with it towards the basement. As I got a few feet from the basement door, I hear some voices off and on coming through, but didn't make much of it and just opened the box and turned it back off and proceeded to put it in the basement for safekeeping. Um, The voices coming through were just typical AM radio jumbled, didn't try to make anything of it, but didn't sound like anything to cause concern. Now the events. Nothing happened after that Wednesday. Nothing happened Thursday that I'm aware of. But if you will recall that I work second shift and don't recall getting home Thursday until around 3.30 or 3.45 a.m., I most likely wouldn't have been there for any events that could have taken place. Um, Friday, this is where it actually gets uncomfortable. I didn't look at my phone or clock to be able to recall the time, but somewhere between 1.45 and 4.30 a.m., I experienced my first paranormal life event ever in my life. I was awoken to sleep paralysis and saw a tall shadow figure in a western hat and trench coat, and I could not move. Couldn't close or open my eyes any further. Couldn't talk, yell, or anything. This event's took place over about 10 to 15 seconds, although it felt like an eternity. After that, I was able to get my eyes back closed, which then led me into a five-second flash dream that I rolled over to my girlfriend having scratches on her back, which this part itself in was in my head because she was on the couch sleeping that night. 
I snapped out of it, jumped up, and uh, nothing was out of the ordinary. I passed this whole thing off as somewhat of just a bad dream, but there's more. His girlfriend has also not had any firsthand paranormal activities happen to her. So Saturday when I get home around 7 p.m. and sit down on the couch, she informs me that she also had a similar event the very same night at the very same time. I will add that I have not disclosed my event to her as I was afraid it might freak her out. So I have this whole time kept my own personal event a secret. She told me that something odd and strange happened to her, said she experienced essentially the exact same thing, but after her paralysis snapped out of it and felt a cold draft down the back of her neck. I did for safe measure, making sure it wasn't telepathic, checked her back and there were no scratches visible and still aren't. There hasn't been any strange noises or other strange events or anything of the such other than that one night that it happened to both of us. He said he contacted the individual that he purchased the spirit box from, and he assured me that the equipment was cleansed after every session, but it's still. But, but he's asking me if it's still possible for someone to have attached themselves to said spirit box. It's a lot of coincidences going on there. Everything happened at the same time for the same amount of time. Um, I don't know. She didn't even know the spirit box was there. I'm kind of a sleep paralysis is sleep paralysis. I mean, my sleep paralysis, like I've had it three times and it seems to last for hours. I have no idea how long it lasts, but it seems like I'm trapped there for hours so 15 yeah. seconds doesn't even really feel like sleep paralysis. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'd be curious of a follow-up um, to see if there were any recent experiences between the time the story was written and now. Yeah. Um, because if there have been, even if they have been small things that have happened, then there might be something there. But the fact that this was an isolated incident, it might be just a series of coincidences potentially tied to the spirit box. Yeah. But also our mind is a very uh, fascinating yes. thing. And knowing that that was there, potentially, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. Again. And the thing yeah, that I got me more. is she didn't know about the spirit box at the time. That's the only thing that makes me go, because hmm, that was my first thought as well. And, and I had emailed him back and I'm like, you know, sometimes you open up your mind to this and you're going to see things that you wouldn't normally, your, your mind's going to play tricks with you. That getting into the paranormal right. just does that to people. But yeah, I haven't heard back that there were any updates to it. So I'm hoping that, you know, all was quiet on the the front i hope so too yeah, yeah 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 i hope so too yep that can be alarming um yeah send us your stories oddity files crew at gmail.com we need them you've got them so send them over don't forget mm -hmm. to um check out our patreon it's patreon.com slash oddity files Thanks to our producers, Doug Maldenlock, Donald Blanchflower, Ryan Hoke. And check us out on all the socials. Just go to flow.page slash oddityfiles. But where does the new cool? Uh, be good to each other and ghost on. Be good to each other. Yes. 
Oddity Files is part of the Just What I Needed Network. We hope we're just what you needed. The podcast is brought to you by the Oddity Files TV show. Have you heard of it? Have you watched it? Head on over to Amazon Prime Video and check out Oddity Files, a three-season investigative paranormal show. Music provided by James Grice. Please support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash oddityfiles. Give a little, give a lot. It helps support the podcast. And we appreciate our producers, Donald Blanchflower, Doug Malden-Lock, and Ryan Hoke. We have a merch store. Can't get enough of Oddity Files? Wear us on your body. tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Please support our partners. Every little bit helps. Rate, review, and subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts. It's what helps us get the word out there. And you know, we can always use a new weirdo or two. Come hang out with us on our Facebook fan group. Just search Oddity Files fan group. All kinds of fun stuff. You can win things. You can read memes. You can buy cool shit. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate you more than you'll ever know. Okay. Go. I'm done. What are you still doing here? Just get out of here. God, I love Ferris Bueller. <laughs>